0: Welcome to U News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Monday, May 11th. I'm Lorraine Cáceres. Here are today's headlines. As the coronavirus crisis grows, a number of confirmed cases in the White House. Now some of the president's top advisors in self-quarantine because of potential exposure plus health experts once again raising the projected death toll from the outbreak as states continue controversial reopening efforts. And at farms across the country, Latino field workers trying to ensure their safety and the safety of the food supply amid the coronavirus pandemic. This and much more today on You News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. We begin today with a sobering look at where the world stands in the battle against the coronavirus. To date, more than 4 million people across the globe have been infected and more than 283,000 have lost their lives in the battle against COVID-19, the illness caused by the novel coronavirus. Here in the United States, the country where the pandemic has hit hardest, more than 1.3 million people have tested positive, and approximately 80,000 Americans have now succumbed. It's a shocking number that many state governors, as well as the White House, are struggling to deal with. Meanwhile, there are growing concerns about the coronavirus infections in the White House itself, especially among those closest to President Trump. Some top health officials now having to self-quarantine as the administration considers more economic relief for Americans. Andrea Linares brings us the latest.
1: After two people in the West Wing tested positive, now the White House is ramping up social distancing measures. More aides and Secret Service agents will be required to wear masks, and people must be six feet apart during meetings. Among those who tested positive, the Vice President's press secretary, but Vice President Pence is expected to be at the White House today, his office saying he has tested negative every single day. The nation's top coronavirus experts also forced to self quarantine after coming into contact with an infected White House staffer including Dr. Anthony Fauci. He'll be doing a modified quarantine working from home, but still possibly traveling in for meetings. CDC director Robert Redfield and FDA Commissioner Stephen Hahn also in quarantine for 14 days. All three officials expected to testify tomorrow before the Senate's health committee. That will now happen over video conference. Some administration officials now have mixed feelings about going into work.
2: I can tell you, this is probably the safest place uh, that you can come to. It
3: is scary to go to work. You know, it's a, it's a small, crowded place. It, it's, you know, it's a little bit risky, but, but you have to do it because you have to serve your country.
1: President Trump's own valet tested positive last week, but Trump remains calm. Well, I'm
0: not worried. No, I'm not worried.
1: Former President Obama criticizing the Trump administration's handling of the pandemic, calling it an absolute chaotic disaster during a conversation with ex-members of his administration, according to a recording obtained by Yahoo News. Meanwhile, the White House is trying to focus on reopening the economy as the unemployment numbers keep climbing. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin was one of several Trump officials who are predicting Depression-era numbers, but says there's a difference this time. Unlike the Great Depression, where you had economic issues that led to this, we closed down the economy. So it's, it's it wouldn't be a surprise if you closed down the economy that in half of the workforces, half the people didn't work. And, and that's why we're very focused on rebuilding this economy and getting it back to where it was. This is no fault of American business. This is no fault of American workers. Americans wonder if there will be a second stimulus check. Republicans and Democrats are split on that decision. Some worry that these additional payments will increase the historic federal deficit. But those in favor say many unemployed workers haven't filed a jobless claim yet, and they could benefit from this money.
0: In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News. Meanwhile, pressure continues mounting for the country to reopen states, imposing a patchwork of rules to restart their economies as Americans feel caught in the middle between wanting to go back to business, but also needing to know they'll be safe. The country continues to reopen, 45 states now easing restrictions, even as the number of new cases continues to rise in at least 15 of them. More than 20,000 new cases were recorded in the U.S. on Sunday, according to Johns Hopkins University, and that number could increase.
4: We're seeing in some states you know, a 20 percentage point increase in just 10 days in mobility. Uh, and that will translate into more human contact, more transmission.
0: This weekend in Kentucky, churches held in-person services with spaced out seating, but in Castle Rock, Colorado, a crowded restaurant on Mother's Day with few customers wearing masks. In Maryland, crowds as Ocean City's boardwalk reopens, and in Los Angeles, bustling trails, hikers anxious to get out for the first time in a month.
5: I tell you what, I feel a lot safer Come in here under the guidelines that we're doing, then I do go into
1: the grocery store.
0: In South Dakota, restrictions have been lifted, but there's a battle brewing between Governor Kristi Noem and Native American tribes. The governor demanding the Oglala Sioux tribe and Shenyang River Sioux tribe remove their checkpoints entering the reserve in the next 48 hours, saying it interferes with traffic on U.S. and state highways. But the tribes say they are keeping roads accessible. Both tribes have strict stay at home orders and for their communities this as stores in Ohio prepare to reopen on Tuesday a decision local leaders recognize is risky but necessary
3: uh, we know that does come with risk we know that there's a risk of, of not taking action as well as we see unemployment rates go up Uh, as we see state and local governments uh, in need of resources to provide the social safety net for healthcare, for education, uh, a variety of other things. We believe that we can do two things at once. The coronavirus is going to be with us throughout the rest of the year. We need to learn to live with it. And we're using the experiences that Ohio businesses have had globally
0: Today, there are new developments in the killing of 25-year-old Ahmad Aubrey. The armed, armed, unarmed African-American jogger in Georgia was fatally shot after being confronted by a white father and his son back in February. Those two now facing murder charges. The state's attorney general is asking the Justice Department to investigate the handling of the case as authorities review newly obtained surveillance video that appears to show Arbery the moments before the shooting. Jorge Hernandez has more.
2: State investigators who have taken over this case from county authorities are looking at new videos that appear to show Ahmad Arbery in the moments before he was allegedly killed by Travis McMichael and his father Gregory, who spent a career in law enforcement working for local prosecutors. The two were charged with murder last week, nearly two and a half months after this killing was recorded on a cell phone in February. They claimed they were attempting to perform a citizen's arrest when they chased down and confronted Arbery. According to police, the McMichaels say they believed Arbery resembled a suspect allegedly seen breaking into homes in their neighborhood. But police say there have been no reports of burglaries or thefts in the area in the nearly two months before Arbery was killed. This surveillance video obtained by Atlanta ABC affiliate WSB was recorded about an hour before Arbery's death. It shows a man walking toward a home construction site, then entering. Arbery's family attorneys say they believe this second video obtained by ABC News does show the 25-year-old former football player in that home under construction, but they emphasized that he wasn't breaking the law and left empty-handed. Whatever they're trying to make out or just trying to justify for what they did, they can't do it. In a statement overnight, the owners of that home saying they want Ahmad Arbery's parents to know that they are very sorry for the loss of their son and they're praying for them. The family said they have no relationship with the McMichaels and would never have wanted what they call a vigilante response. Jorge Hernandez, U News.
0: And more than 200 pairs of shoes representing Iowans who have died of COVID-19 were stolen in Des Moines over the weekend. During Vice President Mike Pence's visit to the Iowa State Capitol on Friday, one pair for every resident who has died was put up. But on Saturday morning, someone had taken them all, 243 pairs of shoes, according to the police report. The woman who started the protest said a burglar won't stop her from continuing to raise awareness. She is planning a shoe drive for Thursday to get more shoes and continue to campaign for her cause. And with unemployment near 15 percent, a grocery store in Maryland hosted a giveaway to help. So many people showed up for the event that police had to direct traffic. With the help of local business owners, the market was able to offer more than 150 customers bags full with rice, beans, along with cooking oil, fruit, water and more. Those on the receiving end having been impacted by heavy job losses at levels not seen since the Great Depression. The New York City Transportation Authority says it's the first time in 115 years. Last week, the city's iconic subway system shut down late at night to allow an army of cleaners to disinfect. Fabiola Galindo takes a look at what the historic operation entailed and what it will keep, what will it take to keep the system clean.
3: Rare images are coming from the New York City subway that used to run 24 hours a day. Empty seats that in a normal late night will be packed.
2: Uh, We use the rags, we use alcohol.
3: 500 cleaning workers like him are the only ones allowed in the trains from 1 to 5 a.m. They disinfect the trains finding all kinds of leftovers including human fluids. In the first ever deep cleaning work, they spray 472 stations twice a day. It is the first step to attract the massive amount of passengers that used to be here. Before the pandemic, says this train operator, she used to take at least 100 passengers per train car. In an ideal world, how many people would you fit while keeping social distance here? One at the beginning and one at the end of the bench. That would be perfect, she says. But can you imagine telling that to people in a city like New York? With so many people, how can we tell someone only three per bench? A huge challenge for the transit agency that is planning on hiring personnel to monitor the use of masks and manage crowds. They are even considering taking passengers' temperature. And while the massive city artery is stopping, another problem surges how to relocate thousands of homeless people who find refuge in the subway, creating unsafe conditions for passengers and workers. Emotionally es un poco It's emotionally draining, she says. We've lost several co workers because of this crisis. Three of her colleagues just in this terminal have died, and more than 100 in the entire transit system passed away from COVID 19. In New York, Fabiola Galindo, Yunus.
0: On farms across the nation, working, workers continue toiling away, an essential service necessary to keep the country's food supply chain up and running during these turbulent times. But as Azul Alvarez explains, many of those farm workers, some of whom are undocumented, don't believe their health or well-being is taken into consideration as they're forced to take their own protective measures.
6: Resources are scarce, but despite that, Pedro keeps up with good hygiene while working these fields. He improvises his own protective equipment.
3: I buy hand sanitizer and
6: a face mask. Pedro is from Guatemala, he tells us that in his backpack he has all the essentials his boss won't provide him with during the pandemic. His brother Jesus also works this fields picking okra. He doesn't have a face mask and says he hasn't been told about protective measures. We wash our hands three times a day after we eat so we don't get the coronavirus. This situation isn't only playing out in South Florida. Immigrants' rights activists with WeCount say they've gotten similar complaints from across the country. Many farm farm workers are are toiling in on fair and and risky conditions. They say managers don't give them gloves or face masks. They're afraid that if they get sick, they won't be able to get a coronavirus test. Health officials, however, have said everybody, regardless of immigration status, can get a government-provided coronavirus test. For their part, farm workers say they're doing what they can to avoid losing crops now that government-mandated restaurant closures have meant a drop in their business. They're not providing us with masks. Mothers like Maria can't afford to stay home. She has three children under her care. Yes, I have to support my family. That's why I'm here despite the rain. Government officials consider farm workers as essential. They're responsible for bringing food to millions of homes across the country. Reported by Danai Rivero, this is Azul Alvarez, U News. More of U News after this short
0: break. Welcome back to U News. And it seems no business is immune from the impacts of coronavirus crisis that includes those in the sex work industry. Alejandra Flores has more on the struggles of those workers.
4: Semi-empty streets for sex workers in Mexico to work longer hours to get just one-eighth of their usual income. Hotels are closed. There are no customers, no supplies.
5: It started to decrease too much. Customers no longer want service. We just earned one service,
4: eight dollars. I have three children, pay the rent, and I am a single mother. Before contingency, I used to earn 62 dollars a day. Who's taking care of sex workers in Mexico? COVID 19 took their job opportunities away. There are more than 7,000 sex workers in Mexico City, some of them with illness unrelated with COVID 19. In the absence of government support, civil organizations have taken the lead in helping sex worker groups. We do it two times a week. We distribute food to sex workers twice a week. We are helping 70 or 90 women. Other organizations offer free protective measures. Gel, mask, and condoms are required for working. There are no kisses, no hugs. In fact, I never kiss them. Yes, I use antibacterial gel and mask. In addition to the vulnerability of this group, At least 20 percent of the sex workers in Mexico City suffer from diseases such as diabetes. From Mexico City, Alejandra Flores, U News.
0: And three countries in Latin America have instituted gender-based curfews to slow the spread of the coronavirus. Men were allowed to leave their homes only on odd days, while women were allowed to leave uneven days. Authorities in Panama, Peru, and Colombia said their measures were designed to reduce crowds and allow social distancing. But trans people say these measures expose them to discrimination and violence. Jimena Izquierdo is joining me now. She's an artist in Lima, Peru, and wrote about this for the website Remezcla. Jimena, what has been the impact of these curfews on trans people? What are they reporting?
5: Hi, Ingrid. How are you? Um, Well, the impact has been really huge here Uh, for a lot of trans folks already uh, living here is really difficult because of the structural systems that make it so that it's a very transphobic um, place. And so to, on top of that, um, instill these new measures where basically what the president said on the day that he announced these measures was that um, there will be no homophobic discrimination um, from the police and military. Uh, However, that doesn't really account for um, transphobia. And so uh, he basically left it for police and military to um, see who they see as women and men. And so the idea was that uh, people will be identified visually um, of their gender, but it was leaving it to military and police. And so there were about 50-plus cases. Uh, of women, trans women who reported being harassed by police, being asked for their IDs, which wasn't supposed to be part of the normal way that it was supposed to
0: work. Yes, he meant that mm-hmm. gender-based curfews also posed an issue for non-binary people. These are people who don't identify with just one gender. What was the impact on them?
5: Yeah, deeply. I think uh, for a lot of people in my community, it was like people just didn't want to go outside. So. Um, if there's a system set up where police are measuring um, how they're viewing your gender, then it really leaves no space for you to to want to go outside. Um, so I know a lot of folks in my community where cis people um, were volunteering to go out for people who are non-binary, who didn't feel um, safe going outside. Um, because, again, it's leaving it to the police to visually identify someone in their, in their gender as they see them.
0: And Peru has now ended that type of crowd control. What happened and how is the changing attitudes towards trans people there?
5: Yeah, so the gender curfew here lasted from April 2nd to April 11th. Um, And that's because, well, I think the whole point was to lessen the amount of people on the street. However, the government didn't account for the fact that we live in a patriarchal society. Um, which therefore means that most of the people going out to do domestic labor, to buy um, food, um, to buy medicine, are women and femmes. And so the days that women, as you can see in this video, which I recorded, um, were allowed to go on the streets, it was packed. Uh, and on the days that men were supposed to go out on the streets, uh, it, was, it was very bare. Um, and so, actually, I just—I read an, uh, that Farid Matuk, who's one of the people who is a member of the COVID-19 uh, operations command here, who who's, was, like, one of the people behind this idea of the gender curfew, was saying um, that he made a mistake and that they should have had at least four days for women to go out and just two for men. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that just shows you the way that they're thinking about how, how simple gender can be in their eyes.
0: Well, thank you so much, Jimena Izquierdo from Lima, Peru. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow U News on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.